0: This podcast channel is about you successful international entrepreneurs, successful expats, successful investors. Sponsored by Tax. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, depending on where you are. Welcome to Tax, where we do all things tax. We try to demystify some this somewhat confusing world of cross border taxation. We have, uh, we're gonna live stream, obviously we're live streaming this, but we're also recording it because some people did ask uh, because they couldn't stay for the entire thing. It is being recorded and it'll be available on our website, on, our, on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, over 20 platforms, basically wherever you get your podcast, you will be able to get a recording of this. So it's no problem if you have to leave early. Bear in mind, though, that while we are tax and investment professionals, we are not your tax or investment professionals. So we're having a general conversation with general principles. If you want what we call actionable intelligence or advice unique to your specific situation, you would need to engage a qualified professional who would advise to your specific needs. So again, we're having general conversation with general principles. What we hope is that you will emerge with what are the key concepts that you'll need to keep in mind as you, you know, navigate and as you retain a professional to, to advise your needs. So we want you to walk away with the key concepts. Not, we're not giving investment advice and so we're not giving tax advice. Okay, so with that in mind, we'll get into the questions that you guys submitted in advance. For those who didn't get a chance to, possibly oh, somebody's type below. Okay, so if you didn't get a chance to submit your questions in advance, that's no problem. Just type them in the box below and we will get to them in the order in which we would receive them, okay? So without further ado, we have one other task professional joining us. Aravay, for those who watched us before, He's meant to join us, but I guess he's running a bit late. In the meantime, we will start with the questions that have been posed. Ah, I'll go with one of the nice, easy ones first. Uh, oh, sorry, my, my bad. Cedric, sorry, sorry, Cedric. We have an investment professional with us. Normally we just deal with tasks, but we always have an investment professional. Cedric, please introduce yourself.
1: Yeah, so my name is Cedric Bernie. I'm a financial advisor uh, for American expats in europe france uh i am in the south of france so near nice uh in uh, french riviera and uh, yeah i've been here for a little over one year Uh, before that i was uh, with uh, Wells Fargo advisors in the us i was a financial advisor there so yes i'm licensed in uh, france us and uk so i can uh, help uh, clients with pretty much everything they need yeah okay
0: fantastic uh, so let's, let's just jump right in because we have quite a number of questions and I'm um, respectful of everybody's time. What investments should U.S. expats avoid while living in France? Cedric.
1: Yeah, I think uh, one thing that I see uh, often, Assurance um, Vie in France, it's a great tax deferred uh, investment. Uh, but uh, yeah, for Americans, it's not tax deferred in the U.S., so most of the investments inside of it uh you know you're going to see uh, mutual funds ETFs uh, foreign ETFs so then it's a you know it's a problem in the US so when you file taxes uh you have some issues and it's you know it can cost you know a lot of money so i would say this is the main thing that i see that i keep seeing over and over and typically americans are not allowed to open them but some firms offer it anyway or maybe some you know some people forget to mention they're Americans because it could be French and American. So I would say, even if you're French, if you are US uh, taxpayer, uh, you need to be aware of that. Yeah. Are you with us? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I can, I can Wait, hear you, yeah.
0: Yeah, you, you dropped for a little bit. Could you repeat the end of what you said? Some people forget they're Americans
1: oh yeah yeah because uh, i have clients that are french and american and uh, they go to a bank and they, they forget to mention that they're american so then they open assurance v thinking that it's totally fine and then uh, then they start you know looking at you know the impact you know when you file taxes in the u.s and it's not tax deferred in the u.s so then uh, that that's that's an issue so yeah so any foreign mutual fund etf that's not a u.s uh, investment you're going to have some issues with the IRS in the US, so you want to you want to pay attention to that,
0: right? And 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 to and to get more specific from a US point of view, it can be mm-hmm. potentially a bit toxic, right? Uh, it, an assurance fee could potentially be a PFIC. Are we correct in saying that?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because most of the investments are going to be PFIC. Yeah. Those are passive foreign investment corporation. Those like investments that you want to avoid, they're going to be inside s one S V. So the s one is tax deferred in France, which is great. But since it's not tax deferred in the US, then you don't really have much benefit of, of having it. So I would say, yeah, that's one of the the investment that I see over and over that. You know, most people forget to file taxes and to declare it in the U.S. So after 10 years, you could have penalties, interest, you know, so it's it's yet something to avoid. So if you, you can plan ahead, don't don't open an it. It's not it's not good for you as an American. Yeah,
0: Right. And and just to provide clarity for those who may not be familiar with what a PFIC mm-hmm. is. So as Sajid as mentioned, it stands for Passive Foreign Investment uh, Company. And it was uh, a designation created under the 1986 Tax Reform Act, I think under President Mm -hmm. Reagan. And it was a response to US domestic financial institutions who complained that uh, US taxpayers could invest in foreign, uh, basically foreign mutual funds and obtain tax advantages. So Mm -hmm. they they found it unfair. it not just leveled the playing field, but it created somewhat potent, somewhat punitive tax treatment for those US taxpayers who invest in foreign mutual funds. So specifically looking at code section 1291, 1296, 1297. So you can be called upon to mark to market and you have to pay tax on unrealized gains. So that for an investor, that is, the, that is a really a, a pain point you're paying tax on gains that you have not yet realized. So you're paying tax on phantom income. So we're not saying don't invest in it, but just be aware that there will be punitive tax consequences to to doing so. And so probably, not probably, we definitely suggest that you get advice before proceeding on that one. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you for that. Let's look at the next question. Uh, before, I'm going to have a quick look to see whether Hervé has joined us. Nope. Mm-hmm. I guess not yet. Running late. My main concern, next question. My main concern right now is gifts. I'm uh, making a gift to my girlfriend. She's a French citizen. Uh so this person provided a lot, of, a, a lot of personal information. So I'm trying to distill it and keep it as anonymous as possible. So I'm an American citizen uh, in, in, in France on a car decision. But I'm U.S. tax resident, obviously as a U.S. citizen you would be. So you're asking, well, okay, what are the tax consequences of making gifts to a non-U.S. partner? So it's essentially you're looking, it depends on how much how much the gift is, right? Uh, there's an amount that moves in inflation for 2023, I believe it's 17,000 US dollars. So if it's below 17,000 US dollars for 2023, no gift tax return would need to be filed. If it's in excess of $17,000, then a gift tax return will need to be filed. And bear in mind that I'm assuming that you are U.S. domiciled for state and gift tax purposes. Uh, if you're not sure about that, you'd probably wanna get advice because being a U.S. citizen doesn't necessarily mean that you're domiciled in the U.S. for gift and a tax, estate tax purposes. Uh, domicile for U.S. estate and gift tax purposes as a very specific definition. Unfortunately, it's not spelled out in the U.S. tax code, so we have to look at case law. Mm-hmm. So essentially, if your intent plus deliberate action has been such to uh, signal to the Internal Revenue Service that you have ceased to make the U.S. your place of domicile and you're now domicile in France, then... Uh, this will be a different conversation, but let's assume that you're still U.S. domicile. You have a lifetime, you have a lifetime exemption for both estate and gift taxes of somewhere between twelve and thirteen million, and moves in inflation as well. So you'd be, so you would be using up uh, that that lifetime exclusion. If it is that you want to give your girlfriend, if you're particularly well off, and you want to give her twenty million dollars. Then uh, the amount in excess of the exclusion may be subject to a gift tax. Uh, Once it's within the exclusion, it won't be subject to the gift tax, but it will be subject to a declaration. So I hope that clarifies what you need to do. You probably need to get advice just to make sure about your domicile and the nature of your relationship and therefore the, the filing thresholds and act the actual paperwork. Failure to properly report the give, it could be up to 30% of the unreported give. So it gets pretty aggressive. So you probably just want to make sure that you're doing things the right way. Okay. okay. I hope that helps. Okay. Next question. Okay. I would like to know if in buying European stocks, whether a PEA makes sense for a U.S. citizen. I believe European stocks would be taxable in France, but not in the U.S. And I believe the PEA provides a tax shield in France. But is there a tax shield in the U.S.? Cedric, what are your thoughts on this as an investment Yeah,
1: my my understanding is the PEA, uh, it's similar to the s one v It's not tax sheltered because it's not a retirement account. So it's an investment account. It's not tax sheltered in the U.S., But then uh, the investments, if you invest in stocks, then obviously uh, you don't have the PIFIC issue. So then that that could be fine, but you still have to worry about taxation in the US. The PER, Plan de Pagnes Retraite, it's a retirement account, then that's different. So then the PEA would not be considered a a pension plan. Yeah, so it would be taxable.
0: Okay, so just to be clear, there's the PER and the PEA. So the PEA is a, Plan uh, d'épargne, an
1: action? Yeah. And so the other one is? Uh, plan d'épargne retraite. It means uh, okay. like, like a pension. Retirement, yeah.
0: Okay, right. And so just so we have it clearly, under either circumstance, it is not tax deferred in the U.S., correct? What
1: well, the pension is, yeah. So I have clients that have PER and they're tax deferred. In both, it's the same thing in the IRA is tax deferred in France and in the US. And the same thing, the PER, it's tax deferred in France and in the US, because it's a pension, a French pension, would be taxable in France when you withdraw funds from it, but it's tax deferred right now uh, if you have one. The PEA is tax deferred in France, but it's not tax deferred uh, in the US. So it, it's still considered a taxable investment so it's sheltered like the Assurance Vie in France, but not in the US.
0: Okay. So both are tax deferred or tax preferred in, the, in France, but only yeah. one would be in the US. Yeah. Which is a PR, not a PEA. Yeah. And, and, and furthermore, if I'm understanding you correctly, there's a risk depending on what you're investing in uh, mm. that it, we can go back to the whole PFIC issue that we mentioned otherwise it's direct in a stock then that's fine Mm -hmm. yeah okay right so 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 one needs to to be very careful because depending on what it is you may have to make Mm -hmm. a a PFIC declaration as we discussed earlier that's form 8621 it can Mm -hmm. be a declaration on the statement of foreign financial assets 8938 it could be on the f bars as well depending on what you've invested in so Vincent one one four, otherwise known as a foreign back account report. So uh, I think really the, the the thing that one needs to be careful of is not just the idea of whether it's tax deferred or not, but the danger of inadvertently finding yourself in that PFIC situation, which is mm-hmm. quite punitive to that U.S. taxpayer. Mm-hmm. And and so and, and 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 I guess that's why. It's super important for someone to consult with someone like you, Cedric, someone who's mm-hmm. uh, qualified and who understands both systems mm-hmm. and is able to give that advice, as opposed to someone who just wants to sell you stuff. Yeah, and exactly. They, you know, they can be yeah. kind of secured us with the truth. Now, while, while we're at that point, what what I mean, aside from someone that's qualified, what else should someone be looking for in an, uh, that financial advisor?
1: Yeah, so I mean, the main thing is to find someone that can understand your needs, uh, you know, both, uh, you know, in the U.S. and in France. Because what I see is I, I see a lot of people that have uh, even a tax advisor in the U.S. that doesn't really understand what's happening in France, so they don't really ask questions. They don't know what to ask, so the clients don't know what to disclose. So then. To find people that actually understand uh, what, what they need and what the risk and consequences are of investing in those uh, investments because you can be like years and years, you know, inv- investing in the wrong investment and you're going to have, you know, penalties and taxes. I mean, it, it, it might be a big problem later on. And sometimes people don't want to come clean because then it's too late. They feel like after 10 years, they should just, you know, not, you know, do anything about it and just, but I, I feel like you know the IRS I mean they're hiring thousands and thousands of people so, I mean it, there's a great source of income for you know the IRS I would say to not just not look at it not you know turn a blind eye just deal with it if, if there's a problem tax professionals you know like yourself you guys can figure out a way to get the clients back uh, on track and uh, compliant but if you're planning or you don't have any investments right now to make the right decisions, before uh before you you start investing to have a plan because americans want to you know have a a great retirement and when you're in europe you feel like you cannot plan because you cannot invest anywhere so to have a a team around you a tax advisor financial advisor that understand your needs you can plan and still have a you know a great retirement plan Mm.
0: fantastic thanks for sharing that Okay. Uh, And again, for those who just joined us, uh, if you haven't had a chance to submit your questions in advance, please feel free to type them below. We get to them in the order in which we receive them. The next question, uh, this is question four. Can I open an IRA or Roth IRA while living in France? Cedric.
1: Yeah, that's something that we do. uh, I mean, that's the main thing that uh, I, I try to, uh, to bring to my clients is bring some value and some peace of mind. Because if you already have an IRA in the U.S. and you're custodian or the, the firm is maybe uh, not allowing you to change your address. So you're going to keep it with a U.S. address, even if you don't live there. Uh, but you can. And that's something that most people don't know. You can open an account with your French address without any issues. Uh, there's not many custodians allow it, but we work with uh, partner. We partner with custodians that will do that, and then uh, it's peace of mind for the client that they know that they get mail in France. Everything is set up with their French address, and then if you have uh, an IRA but you don't have a Roth IRA, then uh, then you can open a Roth IRA while being uh, in France. You can contribute depending on the uh, uh, earned income. Uh, but you can, if you qualify, you can contribute to the uh, to the account, and you can also do Roth conversions every year. So you have a, up to you know December 31st each year to decide of the amount, and uh, and then you can convert from a traditional to a Roth. So you can get that tax deferred and tax-free growth. You know.
2: Mm.
0: So that, that that's that, that's good to know. You yeah. mentioned with the Roth, assuming that you assume that there is income, right? Because you need to have taxable income, right? Yeah. So that uh, I remember seeing a debate there. There were some teachers at an international school who were arguing together with their preferred tax advisor that by they the only reason that they don't have income is because of the Section nine eleven foreign income exclusion. So mm-hmm. were not for that they would have income and therefore able to. Invested Roth, so they were planning to pick a fight with the IRS. Do you know anyone else who has taken that position? Any other expats and have won?
1: I don't. I don't know right now. Yeah, I don't know if any, but yeah, I know that's something that you know. Hopefully, will change. But I would say, even if you don't contribute to the Roth, if you can contribute to the t- traditional IRA, then you can do the backdoor Roth. You can convert over time. Uh, but yeah, I think mm-hmm. uh, you know if you uh, yeah. If you can, uh, that's great. If you cannot contribute, at least uh, you can make sure that your current IRA is in a place where your French address you know, is not an issue. Yeah.
0: Okay, understood. Because we've, we're already aware that some platforms in the US don't like dealing with clients who've moved outside of the US. And then I've seen mm-hmm. uh, some clients say, well, hey, I use a VPN and it's fine. And then I have other clients that say, no they can tell when i'm using a vpn and i still get locked out uh, yeah. But d-
1: yeah the stories that i hear the most is right now it's mm-hmm. you have an account you have an online you know account so all you use is the online account but then it's shut down so then to reset the online account you need a us phone number then it's an issue if you don't have a us phone number and then you know some platforms as soon as they find out that you're not in the US, then they can shut down the account. So I, I used to work for Wells Fargo Advisors and we, they made that decision, financial decision to get rid of the expat market. They didn't want to deal with expat. So pretty much, I understand I had to give those no, the the notice to, to my client. you know, I have to I have to let them know, well, I'm sorry you're in Norway, we've been servicing you for 10 years, we have to let you go, we have to close the account. So it's happening more and more. You see Maryland's JP Morgan, I mean, then you see even Fidelity, uh, so it's, it's kind of all over the place. The, the firms are making that financial decision to not you know, deal with the uh, expats. So uh, you have to be aware of that, that, especially if you use someone else's address, uh, you might not get an email, you might not get the notice because if you're not looking at it, you're not paying attention, the account could close without you knowing about it. So that could be a big tax event.
0: Mm. Uh, and, and to be clear, because there's been, again, some discussion, that this has nothing to do with sec rules it simply has to do with the policy framework for the financial institution they don't yeah. want the additional compliance burden i mm. and which which comes in an additional cost and an additional risk when you yeah. deal with americans abroad am i correct in saying that
1: yeah and it's also like even some firms don't allow it but then it's uh, each advisor decide when they apply the rules because pretty much an advisor can they can know that the client is overseas and they know that they cannot change the address and they're they're not going to look at uh, they want to keep the account the revenue coming in so sometimes the advisor eventually will make the decision you know without you know sometimes it comes from management if 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 your boss says you know you have to disclose it then at some point uh, the advisors have to to you know to be on board and 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 go with with the firm, but yeah, uh, with Wells Fargo, a lot of advisors were kind of still hiding it, and you could tell at some point management said, "No, there, there's no uh, there's no exception." So then, uh, yeah, some firms are going to be kind of slow to make changes because they want to keep the clients, but then uh, at some point they're all you know pretty strict. And in the last you know, few years, you see more and more firms making that decision, and, it, and it's a financial decision. Yeah,
0: mm, absolutely. Okay, so. Next question going down our list. All right. Okay. Do I pay VAT or do I charge VAT when I invoice my clients outside of France? Uh, I I guess if you're an auto entrepreneur, you're uh, self-employed and a consultant, we have many people like that. And that that is a question that commonly comes up. It really depends. Uh, I was chatting with Ervi about it earlier, and uh, it's a shame that he isn't online right now to discuss it. But the kind of questions he would ask would be, you know, are you selling goods or services? Uh, Are you sure that you have no clients in the EU? Is it strictly outside of the EU? Do you sell to companies? Do you sell to individuals? Do you sell through an online portal? So where's the online portal? Uh, So on and so forth. So it's not an easy question to, to answer. But having said that, Generally speaking, if you're a simple service provider and your clients are outside of the EU, chances are you may not have to charge VAT. But again, you'd wanna get specific advice about you, the, the nuances of your situation before you go forward with that. Okay, next question. What should I do if my brokerage account in the U.S. is frozen, or if I receive an account closure notice, Cedric?
1: Yeah, so we kind of talked about it, but I think uh, the main thing is to not panic because if you don't know that there's a, an option, then obviously it's probably uh, you know it's pretty hard uh, hard uh, hard fact you know that the account is closing. There's nothing you can do, but actually you can we can do something about it. Uh, everything can be done electronically, so. When I have a client and he gets that, you know, three-month notice, it's really easy. We uh, we can open an account l- literally within one or two weeks, uh, and then everything is done electronically, so we don't need to, you know, send anything by mail. Uh, and then uh, we can even transfer funds electronically with most custodians, most companies. So then I would say, it's better to plan ahead. Obviously, if you can do it before uh, something like that happens, then it's it's better. But then if you if you can and you get that notice then uh, it can be done within a few weeks. So as long as uh, you have your statement, uh, just need usually one statement, so we can uh, review the account and, and then we can pretty much create the account and uh, transfer the funds within just a few weeks. So I think it's possible.
0: Okay, fantastic. I want to welcome Hervé to, to our Zoom live stream. Hervé, welcome. Great to see you. Would you uh, like to say a few words to introduce yourself?
2: Um. I'm a chartered accountant. I am in France in uh, the Paris area. And uh, I work for uh, quite a number of uh, English speaking clients of several countries. So I assist them uh, with uh, French uh, taxation rules, administration in general.
0: Okay, fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Just jumping on to the next question. So I'm on question seven. Uh, Hello, can you help with a 1040X? You did a dual status return for 2022 and you made a mistake. Okay, so I'm assuming that you've left the U.S. and you're now a tax resident in France. and, And since 2022 is your final year of residence in the U.S., you're not a citizen and you're not a lawful permanent resident. You're not a green card holder. So for part of the year, you were a US taxpayer and part of the year you were not. Or perhaps you surrendered your green card or passport sometime in the year. So again, for part of the year, you are and part of the year you're not. So you correct, you need to file something called a dual status return, which signals to the Internal Revenue Service that part of the year you're a US taxpayer, but you ended the year not being a US taxpayer. No. So you're doing a form oh. 1040, sorry? Sorry,
2: no, 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 okay,
0: okay, okay, Go oh, on. Yeah, so you're doing a Form 1040 together with a Form 1040NR. And depending on your circumstance, you're doing an 8854 as well. Now, to answer your question specifically, if you made a mistake, chances are the IRS sends a rather vaguely written letter. You, you don't indicate what it was, but they would send a vaguely written letter. And they, I, the best thing for you to do is to resubmit the entire thing. And since you made a mistake on your own, you probably wanna speak with a professional service provider to make sure you get it right, because this is your final return and we, we don't know your circumstances, whether exit tax calculations are due, et cetera. So the point is that the, the implications of getting it wrong can be pretty expensive. So you'd probably wanna seek advice to make sure you do it correctly. but. I, you you probably aren't able to just adjust one part of it. It stands as one submission, the, t- the 1040 to 1040NR, 1040 the schedules and whatever else behind it, uh, as well as potentially in 8854 plus UF bars potentially. So uh, I hope that helps. Moving on to question eight. Why is it hard for Americans to find a brokerage firm or bank in France or the U.S. that wants to service them while living in France? Cedric, what are, you, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, so yeah, we kind of touched on that as well. So I, I think the banks with FACTA, I mean, the banks in France have to report you know, to the IRS. So they they don't usually want to deal with Americans. Some do. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, we see private banks and, and in Monaco. I, I have... Some clients that you know want to invest, and they're Americans, and or they want to have a, a bank account. And it's possible. There's you know there's some banks that will uh, uh, help, but they're usually going to have a bank account. Uh, they want to have an investment account for for, for the clients, and then uh, yeah, and in the U.S., like we said, most firms in the U.S. don't want to deal with all these rules, regulations. So then, it's all about following these rules and the costs and the compliance issues. So then, uh, yes, yeah, so I would say. It's more and more you see, uh, you know, firms following rules in place. And they, like like we said, sometimes it's more of a financial decision.
0: Mm. And, and, and to your point, that's why the bank in Monaco and France would prefer that it's an investment account so that they know it's worth their, their while, their effort, the additional compliance burden.
1: Yeah, because I see a lot of uh, banks in Monaco, and sometimes the minimum could be $1, $5, 10000000 for Americans. And the reason why is because of the cost involved. They don't want to deal with an American unless it's worthwhile. So that's why uh, we specialize in, in helping Americans in France, just because there's really nothing out there. Uh, uh, there's not many people that are licensed in France and in the U.S., so it's almost impossible for people to find someone that's knowledgeable.
0: I hmm. understand. So in, in that case, what would be your role? Would you act as an introducer or, you know, what role do you play in, in helping that U.S. taxpayer access banking facilities?
1: Yeah, so pretty much a lot of banks, especially the private banks in France or Monaco, you cannot go straight to them and open the door and, and, and open an account. So you have to be introduced by someone uh, or have, you know, above, you know, five or 10 million. So, um what I do is I introduce them and then we partner together and depending on the needs, uh, we can help uh, uh, with mortgages because uh, it's, it, it's pretty big right now with, uh, with the wealth tax in France. Uh, we can have uh, our clients, Americans, you know, deposit some cash. It could stay in cash, could be invested, but then they can usually leverage that by getting a, a mortgage uh, with no income requirements of about one point. Uh, usually one, a deposit of one million give you a 1.7 million mortgage with no requirements, with a low rate, below 5%. So that's the kind of services that we can offer Americans that they probably won't find it on their own because uh, it's kind of hard to find, but uh, yeah, that's what we do.
0: Okay, fantastic. Everybody, any comments on, on the challenges for uh, that foreigners have doing banking in France?
2: Uh, uh, I do follow Cedric, it is clear that FATCA is uh, it is a threat for, for, for French banks, and they can pay billions of USD uh, uh, if uh, something goes wrong. So, small clients, small American clients, are not interested to in them. And uh, it shows sure that uh, I have great difficulties for some uh, American clients to open a bank account in trust. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it begins to be Not only difficulty for Americans, but also for all countries. Globally, non-residents are not very well considered by French banks. And the problem Mm. is that if you have some real estate in France, the French tax office wants a French uh, bank account for paying local taxes, etc. So you're saying it's not just Americans, but foreigners in general? I was very surprised to see that a citizen from Luxembourg could a, a bank account in first. Hmm. I, so I don't know exactly why.
0: Hmm. Well, I guess to, to to your point, there's a risk, I guess the banks see that there's a risk. If they get the slightest thing wrong, it's not just big fines, but reputational risk as well. So they're just gonna be super cautious. So, yeah. okay. All right, next question. I'm looking at question nine. Please, Could you please explain how the expatriate tax regime works for those moving to France? Hervé, this may be one for you.
2: Uh, First, it is not for all Americans moving to France. It is clearly a regime that is uh, for uh, American, for, for non-residents that would be called by the company to work in France. So uh, you have to to benefit from this regime, which is very interesting. You have first to have a a work contract that says that your company requests you to come to France. And uh, in this uh, contract, uh, then would be defined what is uh, the, the premium, that the company gives you for an expatriation. So it, it can be your company that tells you to come to France or you can have a new contract and come to France to work for this company. But globally, it is not open to everyone. And you have the uh, it is open to those who have the, the movement, I would say to come to France to work for, uh, for a foreign company. Uh, after that, uh, it is very interesting because during eight years, in fact, you, your premium for expatriation is not taxed to, to, to remain quite simple. But uh, yes, I need it. It needs. I think it needs uh, quite uh, some paper before coming in France and uh, informing the tax office that you are considered uh, as an expatriate, etc.
0: And, right uh, so the, the key, so that that's the key thing and I guess that's what makes it quite challenging there must be some sort of affiliated company already in France that's hiring you from that related company in the US
2: Yes, yes. okay and, uh, and it is dedicated usually for for high potentials right So someone mm. that you will get in the US or elsewhere and say please come to France and I am ready to pay for that
0: right and is there some sort of as a high potential is there like a minimum income that they're looking at
2: roughly no, there is no there is no. no minimum but uh in fact you will need a lot of papers because to define the premium you will have to compare your salary with mm-hmm. the average salary in the same position in france so mm. for example if you are paid 20 percent more because you were coming from the from outside. Then these are those twenty percent which uh, won't mm. be taxed.
0: Okay. I see. Uh, uh, as well, so you so you get a tax break on the incremental the bonus that you're yeah. getting from moving to, yeah, to France. As uh, as well as do you get tax breaks on uh, potential capital gains, like if you sell? capital assets
2: yeah, there are there are quite uh, another list of advantages because right. you have uh, in fact on the for example, you come from the US, you had mm. uh, some stock in the US. If you sell them, mm. then uh, your uh, your capital gains will be taxed only for the half, et cetera.
0: Okay, now that's pretty and, interesting.
2: And there is quite a literature because, what happens if I come Then my family comes the next year, et cetera. So there are a lot of conditions and yeah. uh, in a way it is quite a dangerous regime. So I think it is important to inform the tax office, shows that everything is in order not to have a bad surprise a few years later.
0: Right, so in other words, you should submit paperwork in advance of the move to make sure everything is okay.
2: Yes. Or when? Yes. So yes, is, is the text clearly says that you should have a work contract before coming in France, and saying what will be the bonus for expatriation, etc. What will be the special? Um,
0: uh, and roughly, how long would the regime be available to to that person? The regime
2: will be available for eight years.
0: Eight years, up to eight years.
2: Yes, and, okay. and you, you, it is not open to people. We are French tax resident in the in the five years before coming. Sure. Right, but but when you are in the regime, then for example, you can work one year in Germany and come back, and then the regime continues. So uh-huh. <laughs> it can be quite complicated. Yes, right. But uh, of course, it can be very interesting for for mm-hmm.
0: something. Um, right. And after the eight year period, do you have to leave and go back? Or suppose you no, really no, like it in France and you want to stay? No, the,
2: no. no the, the objective is to have people of uh, high potential coming to France. See? Mm. So uh, we are ready to make an effort on, uh, on taxes. Uh, but uh, globally, uh, that's the way I know, after eight years, you are a normal uh, French tax resident. <laughs> okay
0: understood thank you
2: but, but you had time to get good. Uh, <laughs>
0: uh question 10 can i transfer my u.s investment accounts to europe as an american
1: cedric yes that's something that most people don't know that it, that is possible so if you, if you have a u.s investment let's say u.s etfs you have, you have u.s stocks uh, they're taxable in the U.S. Uh, you can transfer them to a platform in Europe. But then uh, it's still going to be uh, taxed in the U.S. And then it's going to be in, US, uh, in uh, European custody with your f- French address. Then uh, peace of mind in, in that case. And then uh, you can still hold the stocks. And then, yeah, we, we can, uh, we can uh, transfer ETFs, you know, or transfer assets in kind and keep them. That's not a, That's not a problem.
0: Okay, fantastic. Uh, I just saw someone, I think Jennifer, you just asked a question. Uh, Can you send it again? Because it got lost as things are are scrolling up. Sorry about that. Uh, Next question. Question 11. Are U.S. pensions and Social Security taxable to France?
2: Hervé. Um, I was checking the tax convention, and yeah. uh, uh, well, it says that pensions made under the social security legislation of a contracting state or resident of the other contracting state shall be taxable only in the first mentioned set. So, the pensions, if you are if you get pensions from the US are taxable only, only in the U.S.
0: No. Only in the U.S. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So this is upon distribution. It'll hmm. only be t- taxable to the U.S. and not to France. Okay. Understood. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make any difference as to the nature of someone's employment before they retired. This So it's pensions and social security, whether derived from the private sector or from the government. Am I correct in saying that?
2: Yeah, there are two articles in the convention. Honestly, I don't know it by heart. Uh, Yeah, Globally, what is public remuneration is only taxable in the country uh, where it is uh, paid. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Cedric, Cedric, what
0: is your experience with the pension space?
1: Yeah, this is my experience with my clients. Uh, the uh, French pension only tax in France, US pension only tax in the US, Social Security as well uh, in the US. So uh, yeah, so that's that's a great benefit because the tax treaty uh, uh, between France and the US is uh, one of the best. Because I see clients in Australia and other countries where it's not always great, sometimes even the Roth IRA is taxed in some countries. Italy has some uh, extra taxes as well. So, but France, uh, no, France is is great.
0: So just to be clear, whether it is a Roth or IRA, Mm -hmm. whether it's derived from public service, private service, doesn't matter. It will only be taxed in the US and not in Mm -hmm. France.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, so that's good news. Definitely Mm -hmm. good news because next door in, in Spain, and in, and in Portugal, American clients have lots of issues with that. So, yeah. so France wins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving down. Okay. Question 12. Can I invest in ETFs as a U.S. expat living in Europe? Cedric
1: yeah that's a question that i hear often because uh americans want to diversify sometimes they don't want to invest in individual stocks because they know that there's PIFIC issues if they buy mutual funds in europe so then um, for my clients if it's an ira uh we can uh etfs there's no issue when we have cash investments or taxable investments in europe then uh it becomes a bit complicated sometimes uh clients have to be professional clients uh, in order to uh, with the MiFID rules in order to uh, um, to buy ETFs you can go around that uh, we use uh, different platforms that uh, we can have uh, you know model portfolios of US ETFs that are uh, made for our clients uh, that are you know you know consisting of US ETF uh, we can also uh, move over ETFs from the US and and, and we can keep them as well uh, in Europe and then if a client has at least 500,000, And then we can, uh, uh, you know, they can be considered professional clients. They have different rules to follow, but we can work with them to get them uh, compliant. And then we can uh, can buy ETFs for them.
0: Hmm. So bottom line, it is a challenge, but you and your team have ways of legally and properly working around it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Okay. Sorry. Someone is sending me a message on another platform. So... I need to read it off here. Okay, so someone is asking, if you were recruited and have worked in France for a year and filed your first French tax return, but you didn't know about the special regime and your contract didn't mention the bonus for expatriation, is it possible to define the bonus for expatriation retroactively,
2: Hervé? If you are a gamer and want to take some risk, why not? But uh, I wouldn't suggest, I wouldn't suggest uh, you do that. Mm. uh, I would consider it as dangerous. There is a risk you have uh, is uh, for one year, it will do, and the second, the third year, the tax office will come back and knock at the door and say, please (laughs) justify that. that you were uh, an impatriate. Mm. It is, so it is quite, it, uh, honestly, we don't see that regime every day, OK? So mm. uh, uh, it exists in the law. Uh, it is not for, for everybody. Mm. Uh, and I see it, I, there's a few examples I have seen where only in uh, big uh, companies such as a center fee or something it is something you do with your employer you don't do it by alone and by yourself Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. cedric any comments or thoughts you want to share
1: no i don't have any comments for that yeah
0: (laughs) okay so the i so the ideal really is to do it in advance and not retroactively if you want to do it retroactively you're taking a risk Mm -hmm. so it's generally well, maybe not in either.
2: that case, I, I, I would uh, I would suggest you to look closely at the text, and maybe, for example, come back for a few months, and then uh, and then uh, return. Why mm-hmm. not? See, uh, you have people who count the days uh, just to be sure in which country are mm-hmm. tax residents and so on. So mm-hmm. if you are aware of the problem. Maybe uh, you can be intelligent and look, uh, look closely at the text.
0: Okay. So she, she says she's happy with that answer and she's, she's very uh, risk averse. So, okay. You <laughs> <laughs> know, sir. Uh, next question. Okay. I'm a freelancer living in France working with U.S. clients, and yeah, so they live in Strasbourg. They're Lebanese citizens, but they're tax resident in France. So I, I, the question is not very specific, but I guess we can just kind of speak to the issues. Uh, as a freelancer, you need to properly register, make sure you're you properly registered, as some sort of auto entrepreneur or self-employed. You you speak to someone like Erve, make sure that you everything is compliant. Uh we had that question in our conversation earlier about whether or not you can you should be charging VAT to the clients in, mm-hmm. in the US. And that's a conversation that they probably need to have as well. Cool. Uh any, any other
2: thoughts Erve on just a general uh, situation like this. Uh, some general answer. Uh, if you if you live in France, then you have to pay social. If you work in France, you have to pay social contributions in France and tax in France, even though you work only for US clients. Uh, mm. As for VAT, usually a freelancer does services, and services will be taxed uh, where they are produced for VAT. So, globally, uh, so. VAT should be taxable in France. Uh, Of course, I have clients uh, who are wherever in France. There are uh, some clients I have never seen out of a Visio. And uh, there is no, um, Hmm. the fact that uh, this man is Lebanese doesn't matter at all. Only the, the, the tax office in France only looks whether you are a tax resident or not. After that, the law is the same for French people, for American, for Lebanese
0: people. Mm,
2: indeed. And okay. assuming, well, we, we don't
0: know the nature of the work being performed, but let's assume it's some sort of consulting service. From a U.S. point of view, generally speaking, there should not be any U.S. tax issues at all. Because as you said, the work is being performed in France. So it's yeah. 100% of French tax matter, not the yeah. U.S., assuming there's no agent, dependent agent, there's no permanent establishment in in the U.S., 100% French tax Mm -hmm. only. Except
2: except that, for example, if he has uh, a mission in which he must spend, for example, three months in the U.S., then maybe Mm -hmm. he can consider he has a permanent basis in the U.S., and then for uh, his earnings in the U.S., then he would be uh, submitted... To U.S. taxes, and this would not be uh, considered in the French taxes.
0: That's a very good point. So, if it is whoever asks this question, if it is that you have any physical presence, do you have any boots on the ground in the U.S. at all? That changes the the whole structure of what we're discussing. The matter is
2: not spending one or two days; it is having a permanent basis in the other country. Mm -hmm.
0: Indeed, indeed. Okay, so I hope this helps. If you wanna get specific advice, please reach out to Ayurved to, to directly and he, he'll be able to guide you. Uh, okay, question 14. I'm looking forward to today's webinar. My general questions are on tax equalization for retired American expats living in France. For example, if taxes are paid in the US on interest and capital gains, Does it mean no taxes are paid in France? Or are there nuances and thresholds we need to be aware of? Am I correct in assuming France will not tax Social Security and withdraws from my IRA, Roth IRA? Uh, A lot of questions there. Uh, Everett, do you wanna take a bite?
2: Uh, Just to say that uh... The principle of the tax convention between France and the U.S. is that a a single revenue is not, is taxed in one country or another, but is not double taxed. After that, the tool used to avoid this double taxation is to say that the revenue that is to be taxed in the U.S. is to be declared in France, but there will be a tax credit that will annihilate, the French taxation. However, I don't know exactly how this tax credit is calculated. And uh, I would say it would uh, annihilate the, the, the French income tax. I wouldn't be sure it annihilates, for example, CSG, which is a tax uh, that is used to pay social contributions or the the, the ELSA services. So there is a tax rate you must declare and there is a tax rate. okay so
0: i guess that he,
2: he speaks about
0: that there's retirement income there's interest income and there's capital gains right so the retirement income we discussed at length uh previously so that'll be taxable in the us only not in france all things being equal in terms of the interest and capital gains we're saying well it's US source, so the US is gonna tax it. But when France looks at it, they'll give a credit for what has already been paid in the US and the difference, if any, would be payable to France.
2: Am I correct?
1: No, I think you're correct.
2: I think so. I uh, Honestly, in those cases, I go back to the tax convention. I read yeah. it and there are there are so many cases that uh, I prefer to to read again the tax convention before answering. Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely. So whoever asks this question, uh, please reach out to every directly. With some,
2: yeah. some countries, for example, mm-hmm. there is a taxation at source, uh, mm-hmm. and so there is, for example, five uh, to fifteen percent that is uh, that is taxed in France or something like that. So there are honestly in the world uh quite a lot of different cases
0: cedric mm-hmm. any any comments or thoughts
1: yeah i, I think yeah, yeah you're right yeah there's no double taxation uh if it's a pension or a retirement account then it's it's great uh, you don't have to worry worry about it the rot is tax-free in both countries so then uh that's a great thing and then uh yeah i think uh, I think everybody's right and then each case is different depending on on the income but yeah i would say uh most you know u.s investments are going to be taxed in the u.s only and then there will be a tax credit in france yeah
2: and you may you may think i am a bit too too careful but i have seen cases of people who have gone around the world and so for example they have some money in the u.s but also in germany and also in france so they we have to study all the, the case of the client, and maybe it does not depend on one, uh, on only one uh, tax convention, but maybe on several, depending where he has revenues and properties. Mm-hmm.
0: Correct, because I've, uh, I've spoken to clients who have, in this case, they would have left France to go work in the US or work somewhere else. And they took a position, which is a literal interpretation of the tax treaty, but then the French tax office issues them a notice saying that it's a, what's the translation, an abuse of the convention and they deny it. So I, I agree with you that you need to, that generally speaking, people need to be very, very careful and not assume because they saw it in a, in a Facebook group or they heard it from a friend that it is a legitimate position to take. You know, you you need to look very carefully. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Oh, somebody is just saying thank you. Okay, just going through messages. Okay, the last question is pretty long-winded, but let's, let's quickly summarize it. So someone is U.S. and U.K. citizen. They now live in France. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of summarizing it because I don't want to give too much personal info either, right? Uh, and now that they've moved to France and they're working from France, they've, they, they're working still through the U.K. company, even though mm-hmm. they're not properly tax resident. In France, and from what they're saying, there's no real substance in the UK. There's no there's no staff in the UK that's like them working alone. So anyway, this, so they set themselves up as an auto, auto entrepreneur in France in order to qualify for uh, the card Vital. Uh, so the question is, what can you do? You have any comments on this structure? Uh, More specifically, can it be simplified? Ervi, what are your thoughts? Just top line, just very generally. Uh,
2: My general thought is that if they want a carte vitale, uh, well, it means they work in France, so they have to pay social contributions in France. Uh, An English company, a UK company, can employ someone in France without having any establishment in France. The case is uh, well described, and uh, we have uh, solutions for that. Uh, what I say is, depending on the amount of revenue, a structure always generates cost. So, if there is not such a great revenue, please make it simple. Because uh, uh, to, to work, you can work with the US with a French company, you can work with the UK. Europe there is no problems with that. So uh, what is interest at having uh, a UK company? I don't know. if I, uh, uh, Basically, if you have some permanent people working in France, it will mean you have a permanent basis in France. So for this part of the activity, you will be taxed under French laws. So really what is the interest of having a UK company If you don't have any real activity in the UK, I don't understand. It seems Mm -hmm. for me, I use less complexity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: So 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 again, we we don't, the person provided a lot of info, but it's not all of the info. So there are parts that we don't know. So, So I have a thought because often I hear other tax advisors propose all these very exotic structures why not use Estonia, they want to use Cyprus, they want to use Malta. My thinking is, and, and give me your thoughts, please, if it is that there's no real economic substance in any of those other jurisdictions, won't the tax office in France then take the position that the structure can be set aside and everything be taxed in France?
2: I would first consider what is the objective of the client. It is mm-hmm. not the same thing if you intend to spend five years in France and go back in a, to another country, or if mm-hmm. you want to stay for years and uh, have your living in France, etc. Because usually we say we have a lot of uh, heavy taxation in France, but globally French people don't live so badly. Uh, so so maybe it's deferred revenue, etc. Uh, but if you're so so first, what are the objectives? I, I do you see the future? And uh, if you want to stay for a long time in France, we have very good financial products in France, and uh, I can never be sure that uh a financial product from another country. Will be eligible to some tax reduction in France.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I should say, uh, if I had a client uh, that would ask me, we would read uh, together the tax convention. This it, so it is. It doesn't say, oh, it is an IRA or Roth IRA, etc. It is. Do you earn some uh, some interest? Do you earn some pensions? Is it capital gains? It's, I would say it is very simple words. So. Don't try to do something too complicated if you want to change often. Uh,
1: okay. Patrick, any thoughts? Yeah, uh, I'm actually like helping clients in, in the same situation. Americans that maybe worked five, 10 years in the UK, now they live in France. So I, I have investment licenses in the UK. So I, we, they have the same kind of you know pensions in the UK. It's a defined contribution, defined benefit plan, uh, and then after Brexit, it's been really hard for uh, you know British uh, expats, especially uh, people that you know have those uh, private pensions, to either cash them out or to manage them from uh, France. So we uh, we do the same kind of rollovers, so we can help. With their U.S. Uh, IRAs, 401ks, but also uh, I help clients with their British pensions. Then we can roll them over, manage them, uh, you know, for them. And then, yeah, it's uh, it's important to understand, yeah, the the rules. And when you move from the U.K. and the U.S., uh, the most people start saving, you know, when they're younger. And and then uh, when you save in different countries, then you have to know that there's different rules. So you cannot combine. You know the the accounts. So I of people ask. Can I combine my UK pension with my US pension and my French pension? No, they all have to be uh, separate. But we can uh, we can assist them with that.
2: Yes, okay. tax offices don't work
1: together.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful gentlemen, thank you so much for sharing some of your time and your insight, Cedric. If somebody if someone wanted to reach out to you to discuss these matters further, what's the best way for them to reach you?
1: Yeah, I, I work for Harrison Brook uh, in France, so they can uh, email me. Uh, uh, I don't know if we can share my information, my phone number, Please. but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so my phone number is a French number uh, plus three three. Uh, if you're out of France, but if you're in France, zero seven six seven six one seven four zero six. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to. Uh, I usually give a free consultation uh, for clients because. We want to build a relationship, get to know them uh, before they make a decision to uh, to move forward, and uh, and yeah, so happy to help.
0: Mm-hmm. And Erve, uh, you you put your number. My
2: references in the in the chat box. Okay,
0: so it will be HB at Cabinet fr. So yes. that is C A B I N E T B E L O E. Oops! Somebody typed something. Oeuvre.fr and Cedric's email. For those who can't see it here because it's another platform, it's Cedric at c e d r i c dot bernier b e r n i e r at USA dot com. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Deeply appreciate it, and we'll see you all next time.